referrals. Oftentimes, this is how all of us were told to start growing our firm. But ultimately, the more you talk to the largest and most successful lawyers out there, the more you realize that referrals are not an opening strategy. It's the way that they've continued to grow their firm, a way to get the best cases, a way to dive into all these things. And of everybody that I've come across, Tom is definitively in the, the um, what do you call it? The uh, Mount Rushmore of referral <laughs> info here. So this is Tom St. Louis. He's cracked the code on why people refer. Instead of just getting one or no referrals from clients, Tom shows law firm owners how to get the first one. And then after that, how to turn that single case refer into a multiple case refer. Tom's work with a number of some of the best, largest, most prestigious uh, firms across the country, usually in the personal injury space, to really get into these double digit refers, which imagine if you had a slew of clients sending you five cases, seven cases, 10 cases, the impact that would have on your firm is uh, astronomical, exponential, whatever we want to call it. So, Tom, Pretty thanks good. so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. You know, you make a good point. It used to be that everyone had to grow through grassroots marketing. There was no opportunity to advertise at one time. And then a big case was one that all, all lawyers love talking about. And then um, lawyers were doing a lot of television advertising, billboards. The internet came. And so lawyers are spending so much time chasing down those strangers, those unconnected strangers who arrive half-sold, who arrive a little bit doubtful, who aren't connected, right? And yet all the people they've been working with have social circles and would, under certain cir circumstances, make sure their friend is protected. And then they would arrive connected. And they wouldn't. They would arrive much more trustful. They would arrive compliant and, and cooperative and engaged, and they would be very likely to send you other people. So something has been lost, and something has been gained. Something has been forgotten. Yeah. Well, and I'll. I mean, I'll go farther. I, I still have a PI firm. Um, we've had people call in who found us through SEO or on you know social media. And literally transferring them from my receptionist to one of the attorneys, person dropped the call. That wasn't quick enough for them. Whereas from a referral, from a repeat client, from somebody coming back, from somebody who you know spoke to their spouse or another attorney, somebody they know, like they'll wait a week for us to call back. And they'll, you know, they're like, just send me the retainer. I don't even talk to anybody. I trust so and so, and they pass it on to you. Like it's just such a easier process. Maybe that's not the right, the best term, but it fits. Right. Definitely. And so, so I want to dive into this a little bit more detail, but I want to start here. Like, what is a referral? Like, what are we okay. specifically talking about here? Okay. A referral is not a lead. It's a case that you caught from somebody who knew how good you were. It's usually from your staff or from your, your clients who get referrals. Also, there's referrals from lawyers, chiropractors, doctors, et cetera. I'm primarily focused on staff and clients, although I do have other programs for those other things but it's your it's your best do your best case catching you know pay what for what you have to but use the best strategies to get the most free really good cases that you can well and let's be honest who's better positioned to refer the staff who knows how all the cases are handled the client who actually went through the process i mean like these are the people not necessarily that will but certainly can explain the process the best Definitely. You agree? Okay. I definitely do. I big, I'm big on the Maya Angelou principle. 
And this is this is the most concise articulation of a super significant principle. She says, people will forget what you say, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So you have opportunities in the way that you conduct a case. You have the opportunity. And everybody is hiring nice people, very kind, very empathetic. The law firm, the personal injury space in the last 25 years has gone through a massive transformation. And I'm just saying there are certain things, you, ways that you can deliver feelings to them that make noticing happen. And a referral only happens. And there's two components, right? You're walking along and then suddenly you see something, you notice Somebody, you, you hear that someone's injured, you see that someone's injured, you hear it through the grapevine, someone you know is injured, and then you take action. You have to notice, and then you have to say something. And as crazy as it is to say, people walk by most things in life. People are not, um, I'll, I'll give you a funny example. A guy I know finds dimes, and he finds several dimes a week. And you might think, is he walking with his head down? And I bet if you walk with your head down, you probably wouldn't find as many dimes at first. But if the finding of a dime meant something cosmic, for him, it's his father saying hello from the beyond. And he believes that. So when he finds a dime, it gives him this very, very excited feeling. And his reticular activation system is just set to dime, see? And he's always finding dimes. So there's a lot more dimes than you'd think. And there's a lot more of everything than you think. And the brain can select a thing that it wants to notice. And it's feelings generally that make the brain notice opportunities to refer. And so the programs that I help law firms create are programs to create the meaning for referral and to increase the likelihood that they're going to notice and to create the likelihood they're very willing to say something when they finally notice. When you talk about like the meaning that this creates or the feeling that it creates, are we creating the same feeling for everybody or do people have like a different motivation to do this? Well, I would say that there are certain feelings. If you go to Maslow's hierarchy, which I use as a guidepost, a surprising thing is that at the, the widest part of the pyramid, right? There's uh, security, comfort, heat, food, a lock on the door, really simple things. In the middle of the hierarchy, the third rung is love and belonging or love and family. And that amazes me because if you think of a Hollywood film, like, isn't the dream to find someone? If only I had someone I could love. If only, you know, just, just Molly and me and baby makes three. We're happy in our blue heaven. That's in the middle. There's higher realms than that. The highest realm is self-actualization. And um, if, for example... A person is injured, then gets a check, and then goes away. There are feelings associated with that. If in their mind they're thinking, I'm part of a group, and, and we push back, we're creating a, a pushback against the insurance companies that are taking advantage of injured people. So there's a social mission. There's a strong feeling for that. That could anim animate a person, that feeling that we together are going to push back against those corrupt insurance companies, right? But then... Supposing somebody has sent their friend and you thank them beautifully, and then they did it again and you thank them in such a way that made it very likely for them to notice again, and then you invited them to come to community service awards, okay? And this is where you're saying to the people who thought about others, and let me just say first that when you thank somebody for referrals, what you're not saying is thank you for the case, thank you for giving me the case, thank you for giving me something that's very valuable to me, we're going to make money on that. 
thank you for giving me that thing that I'm going to make money. And that was really, really nice of you because I like some, I like money so much and you've given that to me. So thank you so much for that, which you've given me, which is going to make me money, which, right. That's the underlying tone of the thank you. But if the thank you instead is you're amazing. There's so many people who wouldn't have done that. There's so many people who wouldn't have extended themselves to make sure their friend was taken care of. You're one of those people. So once you've identified that person, you started speaking to that identity and you invite them to a community service awards. Now they arrive and, and they're invited up to the stage and they're presented with a plaque or an engraved thing or a parchment or something. And there's a nice handshake and a flashbulb going off. And then a week or two later, they get in the, um, in the mail, a beautiful framed photo with them receiving their award suitable for display, right? What kind of feelings does that give you? So on the, on the scale of feelings, you know, you're asking about feelings, the feeling of uh, being recognized for contributing to others is just about unbeatable. It's inexceedable. It's higher than love and marriage. Put it that way, according to Maslow. So that's why I say to do those things because it creates this very. We, you know, we did one with a guy in Kentucky, and um, it was so meaningful to this one lady to come. And her mother had died that day and she had to drive 50 miles and she came. And so we kind of said, you know, wow, you know, it's really amazing that you've come and, you know, you, you've contributed so much. And we had to kind of like really thank her. And didn't she the next week bring in some kind of a giant case? You know, it just tends to happen that way. And the mechanics of it are noticing and willing. I noticed something. I was willing. I had a feeling about it. I noticed it, and I felt like I could really express myself to impel that woman to come to this law firm because of you know everything that's happened for me. Well, it's so funny. You know, you you start with the story of the guy who finds dimes, and it's like anytime you buy a new car, suddenly you see how many more people driving that car across, you know, across your normal day. Like it's just it's such a it's an interesting conversation about like what percentage of things our mind focuses on. And then, you know, it makes sense. We have to focus on the things that are most important or most dangerous or whatever, but like you really created this whole process to help people try and get that thing to be the referral to help somebody to get the, you know, to get the warm, fuzzy feeling of altruism. Definitely be careful about uh, punch buggy. If you want to learn about the reticular activation system and how it works, get into a game of punch buggy. It never ends. And it takes years and years and years to establish dominance. And then just when you start forgetting, then the other person starts punching you. But, yeah. It, it's a crazy principle. You get a car, and then you see more of them, and you go, is everyone buying the same car at the same time? Have there always been this many? I, I did a thing with a group. We're doing a brand ambassador program. It's like, who can define the word... Uh, concatenation. I think that's the word I chose. And they're like, what? So I gave them a definition and I said, let's use it in a sentence. Okay. 50 bucks to the first person who hears it in the next two, three days. And sure enough. And that's the funny thing about words, right? You, you're sure that you would have noticed that word. There's no way that I could have spent my life and gone right by that word because it stands out so weird. But then you learn a word and then suddenly you see it again. You say, how did that, what are the odds of that? Very interesting. Yeah. All right. So I, I, I have one more one more reference just on the subject. Yeah, while, my, while my reticular activation system is kicking out examples, I made a deal one time with this guy, and he wanted to pay me in part with a fax blaster. 
And I wasn't sure I wanted a fax blaster. But anyway, we did a consultation. He gave what's me a, what's fax. a fax blaster. It sends out uh, faxes to a list of fax numbers. It's like a gotcha. okay. broadcasting, a very annoying medium that was alive maybe in the 90s. So I get this fax blaster and I send out a few things. And I send out poetry, really unusual things, just to try it, just for fun, you know. And uh, the f- the thing that I noticed more than anything is when somebody would respond, they'd say, I wish you'd show me this sooner. I'd say, dude, I can absolutely assure you that's the eighth, ti- eighth time you've gotten it. Hey, better than the alternative, just getting a million people faxing back, you know, F me, yeah. take me off this list, please. Well, there's certainly that too. But it just shows the, the way the brain works, which is surprising. Yeah. Well, it really was. You know, oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. No, it's just it's interesting because, like, from a social media perspective, from a from a content pillar perspective, you know, so many people talk about like having your five different ideas and then saying them in a hundred different ways because it'll sit on people differently. Like, we've got this interview show, and I promise you, of the two hundred episodes, we've had guests say we've had forty guests say the same thing over and over again but there'll be different people that it resonated with this way. There'll be different people that right. heard it from this person. Right. Like it's just a, uh, it's a fascinating idea to get the, to get the impact that is needed from the information. You ever see the movie um, Goodwill Hunting? Critical scene where uh, Matt Damon's playing this super bright, super traumatized, defensive young guy. He knows everything because he's got a a photographic mind and he remembers literally everything he's read. And Robin Williams is playing the compassionate shrink. He's trying to help him through. So they're talking about how, yeah, my old man used to beat me with a pipe and the blah, blah, blah. And Sean, Robin Williams got the file. He says, Will, it's not your fault. And, but no, first, oh, you're, you're on that non-transfer of the, you know, you're on that uh, non-attachment thing, right? Like, in other words, I know what you're thinking about me. He says, it's not your fault. He goes, I know. He says, no, no, it's not your fault. He goes, yeah, Sean, I know. He comes a little closer. It's not your fault. He's maintaining eye contact. He's really intense. And and the Matt Damon's getting a little defensive. Like, what the hell is this? You know, I know, of course it's not my fault. No, 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 listen, it's not my fault. He said it about seven or ten times. And then the guy completely cracks. And I thought it was a beautifully written and directed little bit of film. But... Man, it took seven or eight iterations of a really simple phrase that a person absolutely thought they understood. And conceptually, they understand it per- perfectly from the first, but that's what it took. I love it. I mean, and I love the idea, you know, we've got the Community Service Award. And I like that we're focusing on creating that identity, you know, like uh, Chris Voss would call it the, you know, the labeling from the negotiation perspective. Oh, really? I'd like to hear about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, never just- split the difference. We'll, we'll talk after this. Um, it's just, it's, it's, so I guess the question for me though is like, where does a firm start with this stuff? Like, you know, it's one thing you host this party, but ultimately I feel like the party's got to be the culmination of some smaller steps, but maybe I'm wrong. If you were starting from nothing and nowhere, um, Yeah, it's difficult because I most people have a lot of momentum in a different direction. So it's not 1952, <laughs> and they're they're not operating in the community in the way that they would have had it been that time. So the first step is to thank the people who sent you cases. The second step is to to create a referral contract with people. 
and you can make an undertaking that they'll agree to. And this is based on it's it's a frame that uh, I would say is based on Cialdini's work. You know that the guy who wrote that book, Influence the Science of Persuasion. Yep. So the principle is called commitment and consistency. And what I say to the law firm is that they should say the following: when the person is is saying yes, I want to hire you. Yes, let's work together. Yes, let's do this. Let's do this. The lawyer or the staff person says, and I want you to know, Jordan, that any time a person you know is injured, is in need of a lawyer, um, let's make sure they're taken care of too. Now, you might preface that by saying, I'm so happy you came to us, you know, because there's many law firms that take on a case like this and you would end up being frustrated. You might not get a settlement or you might get the runaround. This is our specialty, okay? We know how to negotiate with the insurer on this. We're going to get you to where you want to get to. And I want you to know that anytime somebody that you know is injured, it's the need of legal help, let's make sure they're taken care of too, okay? You can have them call me. You'll do that? Amazing. Thank you. That's really wonderful. Assign identity. You know, Jordan, we have two kinds of clients. And they're both very special to us, but the second kind's a little more special. Let me explain. People come to us, they're injured, they're hurt. We look after them. Our whole staff nurtures them wonderfully. We do. We fight like hell with the insurance company. We win a settlement that exceeds what we set out to do. And they thank us, and they're very appreciative, and they go and they live their life. We stay in touch, you know. The second kind, though, is special to us because it's all the same. They're injured. We, we, we fight for them. Um, we stay in touch, but these people pay it forward. They identify other people who are in circumstances they were in and make sure those people are taken care of. And those people are a little special to us. I call them battlers, our battlers. And Jordan, I think you might be one of our battlers. So it's a identity. I feel like a battler now, Tom. (laughs) You (laughs) You got me. I'm I'm like, let's go battle. Right. And then you could actually send them a letter saying, you know, I appreciated so much what you said the other day. That if you were to come across somebody that you really would, and I believe that, I just want to thank you. And and I'm already rewarding that identity. I'm already giving it those feelings, those higher Maslow feelings of, you know, being recognized for contributing to others. It's amazing. the Because, uh, like, look, here's the thing. In modern day life, how often do you get congratulated or appreciated? Yeah, You know, it's, uh, I don't, I, there was a study that found that like, <clears throat> excuse me, if you ask employers, they'll tell you, you know, 80% of their employees got positive feedback in the last month. But when you ask the employees, it's under 20%. And I'm yeah. inclined to think the employees are correct on that one. So you, you've built this identity in people, you've rewarded them, or you've congratulated them for it, or you've thanked them for it, you've rewarded them in some manner, even just from an emotional standpoint. I mean, it really, I think gets people, you know, ready to go to battle for you. And let's go back to that simple concept of um, you can understand a thing to a degree, but at, not at sufficient depth that it means anything. You can say, yeah, yeah, we thank people. Now, you've just said the way that LARFers thank people, or no, the way that employees recognize em- employers, recognize employees, the employee doesn't even know they've been recognized. So the boss says, yeah, yeah, no, I do. I, I do things. Or, okay, let's see how effective they are. Let's see how powerful they are. Let's see how much impact they have. Because if you want to do this thing, how about learning how to do it in a way that's very powerful and it means a lot to the person that's getting it? So I say to a law firm, you know, you're asking about the first things. How beautifully 
can you recognize and thank them for making sure the friends are looked after? Could you become an expert at doing that one thing of transferring that emotion of appreciation with skill and with heart? Because that would make a difference. Well, I always, I love the, I love the like scientific underpinnings of conveying emotion. Like it's a very interesting way to go about, you know, like how we can, we can prove that people get this feeling based upon these things. And we want to make sure that they get this feeling. Um, it's just a very fascinating thing to me. Yeah. So I want, I know we'll go a little bit deeper here, but I think now's a good time for us to start. So in terms of law firm owners, hoping to get some help from this, I know you've got a program that is out that's coming out. I do. I do one-on-one -on -one work with lawyers and then the firms and also group, you can join a group and then over a period of time we work together and it, you'd, um, you'd benefit from being in a group. It would cost less and you'd be able to get a lot of intensive help as you needed it. So evergreen, it's, it's evergreen yeah. marketing. Yeah. It's grassroots marketing reinstalled in a law firm. And what is that, like, when that starts implementing and starts working, what does that look like from the law firm owner perspective? Like, what's the transformation we see when we have these systems in place to build these relationships? You, if you have 50 employees, you probably have three, four, or five that are superb natural connectors. If you've been very wise in your selection you probably have a lot of people who are really kind and really empathetic and right when you have connection superstars and you put them on dispersal that's a transformational thing so to use your language if i'm a person in a transaction with a law firm there's some going you know did you make it to your chiropractor thing oh yeah did you get your mileage there yeah i got that there yeah thing there you know there's some back and forth business in the in the the, uh, the paralegal or the case manager is kind and nice and all that's good. And then it comes to the end and say, hey, we won. So come on in and get your check. And then you come in and get the check and you get the swag bag and the person thanks you and they ask you for a four-star, five-star review and they remind you about referrals and you take it and you go home. It's like, hey, look what I got, right? So I guess that was a transaction. I guess it was. I had a nice relationship with them, but it was a transaction. Now a year goes by and some tragedy happens in my circle, maybe to me or to someone I know. And I may not think of going back to that law firm. I'm, I'm probably not saying I want to punish them because they didn't connect with me in a profound way. There's nothing like that going on. It's just like you're not thinking of them. Um, pardon me. You're somebody that you probably met them through Google. You had a nice experience. It was a nice transaction. And then it's in the past, and it doesn't have any current meaning per se. On the other hand, if it was conducted a different way, if you use your connection superstar to create a meaning for their journey. So they're in a journey, the journey to justice. Okay, we'll call it that. And somebody hurt them, and somebody helped them. And the person who hurt them might have hurt a lot of people. And the person who got hurt is a decent, hardworking person who never hurt anybody. I work hard, you know, I, I pay my own bills. I don't ask anybody for anything. I never had to do this kind of a thing before. I never thought I'd call a law firm. So you have this decent, hardworking person who's got screwed around by an evil <laughs> an evil corporation, and now they're in this relationship, and this wonderful, connected, 
person is asking them, well, how did this affect you? How did that happen? And their whole relationship is in flux. Their identity is in flux. And they do the, I call it the five, you know, the, the journey to justice interview. And then there's the five questions, testimonial extra extraction. But if you have skilled connector, skilled connectors conducting those interviews, something quite magical can happen. And it's based on a principle I call registration. I don't know what else to call it. But it takes a person from not having been heard and understood to being deeply heard, deeply understood. And it's almost like, you know, I'm speaking to you and you're hearing me. My words, my story, my life is going from me into you and it's landing in you. And I'm seeing it in you. I'm seeing it in your eyes. I'm seeing, you know, the ripples in your pond are from me. That's me I'm seeing in there. I'm in you. That's the profundity of a great listener. I'm in you. So that produces um, a very, very strong identification. And this, you know, the, the underlying question is, what will make something come to mind? You know, in marketing, there's this crazy, crazy, idiotic notion. And I confess, I used to say this. Well, you want to be top of mind? <laughs> Did you ever stop to think how goofy that is? Be top of mind. Like maybe for a second once. I would have said a billion and a half bits per second. You're going to yeah. be top of mind. Yeah, you're. Well, when the situation strikes, when when they think of who can help this person with this issue, with this yes. injury, with this case, right? <laughs> excuse me, you need to be top of mind. Hopefully, you know, it doesn't matter yes. when they're like, "What should I have for lunch today?" Good. Yes, it will come to mind at the right time in the right way. And what we know is that it tends not to, and what we know is that it can. And so we want to create those conditions where it comes to mind in a particular way, meaning a lot with feeling attached to drive the reticular activation system, to drive noticing and willingness. That's the whole thing in a nutshell. I love that. So we have this, we have this feeling in the client. We've listened well. We've had them, you know, uh, we've thanked them for the referrals. We've made them commit to being a good referral. We've done a great job for them. I think that's the, like, I think we need to make sure, like, we are also advocating you do a wonderful job on their case. Yeah. What, how soon do we need to stay connected to them? Or really is it, or is there not a time that we need to stay connected to them? A lot of law firms don't. There's some law firms do. Um, I personally think that if it costs you $125 or whatever to make the phone ring, you're invested in that asset. And that asset is an individual who walks and talks, moves in the world, has the potential to be injured, and knows people. And so you're probably going to turn down their matter because most of your calls are not matters you take on, right? But the relationship would start there. Now, what law firms tend to do is when it gets to the end, they have a check and they have a, then maybe they send a birthday card and then they send them in the, the newsletter, which is an email blast. And so the question that I would say is what is it going to take to sustain the feeling? What, what's it, what's it going to take to sustain it? What's going to take to spark it back into vividity? Because if there's no big connection and they get an email blast, uh, you're not really doing much that's going to, sustain the the spark that's dwindling if you had a good relationship and time goes by and there's not much connection and there's no right one so i do think you can make a fuss with birthdays i think it's good to make a fuss with with uh, thanksgiving because thanksgiving is sort of an unclaimed holiday 
Christmas mm. and New Year's, everyone bombards you with stuff. And how great is your stuff when 10 other people were all trying to make the same impression? But at Thanksgiving, you can make a big impression. You can stand out. You can stand alone. And I think you should. And staying in touch is a tricky thing. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say this much. If you handle 500 cases a year and you have a discerning story curator or curatrix, the stories are there. The outrages are there. The injustices are there. The courage, the pluck, the winning determination, the mother's love for her daughter, the, the father's love for his son. All those stories are there. And those are the things that you could use to reconnect your your employees, keep them connected to the message, your, your clients, keep them connected, and your ex-clients to keep them connected to the whole thing, telling them great stories. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I know you're mentioned you're talking about keeping them connected and obviously like the sustaining might be a little bit different for everybody. But if you've got somebody like if you're gonna do the community service award, something along those lines, do you what if you know the client is shy? You know, like that might be torture for them. Like how do you Yeah, it might be you it might be, that? you know, it's the same with, it's just, okay, okay, I can speak that from employees. If you make a fuss when employees get a, a referral. So let me put this down to uh, group subconscious persuasion. There's one-on-one -on -one persuasion, there's group persuasion. So I'm in a group called staff and somebody brings in a case and they, they make a fuss. Now, I know a lot from them that did a procession with a hammerhead shark and some chanting. And then the hammerhead shark, and then this, and the appropriate response probably on the part of the employee was, "Oh Christ, no! What did I do? Oh jeez, right?" And then, okay, I got the hammerhead shark, whatever. And then the other one sitting over there was really shy. Said, "Oh God, I hope I never get one." Oh my God, I got an oh crap, I got a referral. Oh, geez, should I should I put it in there? Oh my God, it's going to be so humiliating. I can't stand it. You see what I mean? Yes, it could be, and. You know what? I would I would put them through the agony of it because there's a lot of pleasure in that agony. I love it. All right. Just tear through it. Um, too funny. All right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So we've we've got that going on. Where do you? I guess let me let me flip it this way. Where do you see most? firms making the biggest mistakes with generating referrals or how they handle the referral? Like what's the most common problem that a yeah. firm has or doesn't even know they have to know they need some help with this? Okay. Remember I said, there's things that I can say that you, if you only half hear them, they sort of go in one ear and out the other and you don't grok the significance of them. Okay. So when I say you can provide much more significant feelings to your clients based on them helping their friends than you can by being a great law firm. That is a very, very powerful thing going on. So what law firms tend to do is they tend to kill the referrer in the crib. Mm -hmm. Mostly people are not going to send a case. And if they do, the person will say, Hey, and if you know of anybody, uh, just give them my card, which is a very ineffective script. And if they do, then they thank them for the case. They thank them profoundly for the case. And as if the thing is grounded in reciprocity. But there's a problem with reciprocity, which is that you're a big lawyer. 
you got 30% or 35% of my winnings on my case. I like you. I don't resent that. I accepted that. I agreed to that. But shit, man, that's a lot of money you got. And uh, I even sent you a guy. And you thanked me for that. And that's cool. You think I'm going to keep doing that? Do you think my mind is going to prioritize that? Do you think I'm going to get that feeling? What is the feeling that would drive me referring? The feeling would be, oh, I got to make sure my buddy is looked after. And oh boy, did they ever thank me for making sure my buddy was looked after. Now I can do that once and I could do that again. Oh my gosh, they invite me to a party. Or let's talk about group subconscious persuasion. Um, They show in the company newsletter, some guy is getting an award, a community service award. I think, wonder how you get those. And then you find it, oh, that's just for people who send people. Does that not focus the mind? How do I get me some of that? When the people who went to the community service awards then got an email and said, here are some people who are at the recent community service awards. Hope you can make it to the next one. How do I get to, how do I go to that? How, the, that's what the brain says, right? How do I get me some of that? Um, does that answer your question? Um, at this point, I don't remember what my question was, but that was very helpful. Was that's why helpful. I said that. <laughs> No, I, well, so we're talking about this from the standpoint of like staff and clients being like the, the two areas that you have the most focus on. Right. What, what should we expect? Like, should we, you know, I, what percentage of staff or what number of cases should we expect from them? What percentage of yeah. clients or what number yeah, of cases? Yeah, yeah. I don't have that, a number for I don't have a okay. number for you. What I find is it's different everywhere you go and it's different across the street there too. You see what I mean? I could go to Kentucky and find out what it's like to work in Kentucky. And then I go across the street to the other Kentucky firm and it's a totally different Kentucky. So what I can say about um, employees is there can be double digit referring employees and it tends to be a certain persona. It tends to be a person who has a lot of, a lot of, a lot of cousins. They have barbecues with a lot of people there and they, everybody knows what a great place they work at. Everybody knows how much they love their job. That's the person who brings in take, 10 cases. It's a popular, sunny, charismatic cousin who really loves their job and everybody, everybody hears about it. They're not pitching. They're sharing the fun and the joy and the whimsy of it all. Um, with employees, they're, sorry, with uh, clients, you will find that there's certain people who are real go-getters with the gift of gab that bring in lots of cases, you know, sort of your obvious target. And then there are other people you don't even know what it is. It's just they do it. They're doing it. You, you see them, they show up, and you go, who knew? Thank you so much. Come sit down. But the numbers yes. of – but let me say this one thing. Yeah. It's one or zero and mostly zeros. But once you start learning how to thank them and you turn the one into two, you know, if a person – received a certain acknowledgement for the first one and then another acknowledgement for the second one. Then the third one, the name partner called and said, you know, I, you've really got my attention. I want to take you to lunch. What do you think that would do from, from all zeros to now a few ones. And if you get a person up to that third um, referral and it rewarded them in an unusual way that just seemed pretty darn significant, what would that do? Then you have people who are going to keep on doing it. Um, Voltaire said, reincarnation is not hard to believe. It's hard to believe we ever got here in the first place. Once we got here in the first, for sure, why not? Why not many times? It's like that with referrals. If it could happen and you identify where it actually happened, are you kidding? 
That is the most incredibly powerful marketing information you have. Go and nurture the hell out of that person. I think this is the first episode where somebody's quoted Voltaire. That there was a, that's a, it's a great quote on that point. So here's along those lines though. this is what, this is the question that I am curious about now. I always tell my office, as much as we're trying to get clients to invest in us, we should try to invest in clients. We have clients that, you know, start a food truck. Let's have them cater the next event. We have clients who do photography. Let's have them do the next photo shoot, those kind of things. Do you agree with that? And if so, how does that play into what we're talking about here? Yeah, I, I don't disagree with it, but it's tricky. Because if referrals are contingent on reciprocity, then they, they live and die by reciprocity. Um, but I sense. agree with I agree with the spirit of of that of if of you know like one thing is if you know the best photographer in the world and you only use the best photographer in the world that's fine or if you need something just ambient and pleasant and this person looks capable sure give them a gig but uh, as to what drives referrals reciprocity is a slippery slope makes total sense and I and to be fair I try to get us I'm, it's more of the um... What is it in the Go Giver? They talk about like, you got to throw the log in the in the fireplace before you get heat. Like it's right. def- it's not like oh you sent us a case let's use you. It's like all right, what of our clients you know could we use for this? Who could we send over here? What could we do? Like let's let's get it going. You know a, a much more giver mentality than a matching men- mentality or or whatnot from that perspective. So because I agree with you, if everybody always expects a one for one or a two for one or whatever it is, like you're just you're never going to build a real relationship. You're going to constantly be keeping score. Yeah. All right, so as we get towards the end here, um, for people interested in getting more of that group help, where can they go for more information about the program? Probably the best thing to do would be to send an email to me or you and uh, and then send them more information. Okay. Do you want to give them your email on here or otherwise they'll just email me? Why don't they email you? Okay, no problem. Uh, it's Jordan at Legal Ease Marketing, E-A-S-E. Otherwise, everything else is spelled correctly. We made the firm as a giant dad joke, and uh, it's worked out pretty well for us so far. So that being said, all right, Tom, for anybody who's been here has listened for the last 15 minutes or so, if they remember nothing else that you shared, what would be the most important takeaway for them, the biggest thing to help more attorneys be the Exhibit A of a successful lawyer as possible? People never forget how you make them made them feel. The feelings that you can supply from significant contribution for others will make them notice refer, the opportunity to refer and do so. I love it. It's and it's such a small, like when you're sitting there writing the card, it is such a small change to go from thank you for the referral to I appreciate that you are the type of person that does this, that would take this extra time, that would go out on a limb. Like yeah. it's such an easy, I mean, you're just changing, you know, what you're writing in essence. My, um, my suggested two words are you're amazing. I love it. All right. Thank you so much for being with us. For thank everybody you. who uh, listened, thank you so much for your time. If you're interested in more help, we got the, uh, shoot me an email. I'll get you some more information on the program Tom has going on. And really, I just, I just go back to as much as we do digital marketing. I love when my firms have that referral backbone to keep everything coming in consistently. And then we have the money to try a new, you know, direct mail campaign over here, to try new Google ads over there, to try, 
you know, a, an increased social media presence with this backbone of knowing that there are these really strong, caring referral cases coming in over and over again. So, I that's love a it. better that's a better backbone than spending a lot more money on another ad. Yeah, well, and it's like, look, the there are times like we're probably in a recession. So there are times where like you might have enough competitors pulling out of Google ads that you can get exposure for a lot cheaper or running fewer social media ads, you know, but if you have the, the giant firm a couple of towns over moving over that increases all the costs or Google changes the algorithm or, you know, they raise the price of mailing like referrals are something that while you can't fully control them, it's a lot harder for somebody to steal all your referral sources. It's a lot harder for somebody to get all those clients to think about a different firm having been through your firm. And so like that becomes a really good foundation for you to do all this other marketing off of because there might be better opportune moments. There might be cheaper opportunities for eyeballs or awareness or cheaper billboards or whatever it's going to be. But when you have that solid core of referrals, you're not desperate for any marketing campaign to keep you afloat. Yep. Probably overall affects your confidence in a positive way, which helps when you have a person coming in off an ad and you're, you know, you handle totally. it with, with a plum. Totally. All right, Tom, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Everybody else. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back at the next episode of exhibit a. And uh, until then, if you need some help, shoot me an email and uh, we'll help you out through that. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of a successful attorney, please check us out at LegalEaseMarketing.com, E-A-S-E.